Back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? My name is Chris. They call me Chouse. I am your host. Week six is nearly in the books, with exception of Monday night, of course. It was a very intriguing week, in my opinion, because uh, the first the indication that I got of anything having some sort of consistency with these clubs almost felt like it went out the window uh this is typical with the nfl especially when you start getting into the nearing the midway point of the season we are two weeks away from the midway point but i mean there was a lot of question marks i wanted to see answered from some of these clubs and it just didn't deliver so i mean there's a lot of question marks still to be answered and We'll see how it goes next week, but the it's cliche, but the NFL is a week-to-week league. I mean, we hear that all the time, but this is definitely one of the weeks that we can say it's 100% true. Anyway, with that said, let's just get into it. There's a lot of stuff to cover, so let's jump right into it. So four teams were on the bye week this week. The Bills, the Bears, the Colts, and the Raiders. They took their rest week. So without Four teams on the on the docket. Let's kick it back to Thursday night football where the New England Patriots hosted the New York Giants. So Vegas started the week off on a massive spread note. They had, I believe, the, the closing odds were 16.5 points favoring the Patriots. I took the spread because, in my eyes, it was it was a few things. I mean, the 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 Patriots defense right now is just balling out. They give up, I think, coming into this contest, they gave up six point eight points per contest. They're just lights out. And Bill Belichick's record at home versus any rookie quarterback is absolutely stellar. I don't even think he's lost more than a handful of games. So I took the spread, you know, and as this contest started, I mean it's it's exactly what we got. The defense made turnovers, made plays. The The special teams even got in on the mix. They got a punt return or a punt uh, block for a touchdown. And the, the question was, you know, as you were watching this contest, what is wrong with the Patriots' offense? Tom Brady looked flat. He didn't look decisive. He was off target. The receivers weren't making plays. And, I mean, you start to think that this team is now being carried by this offense, right? However, as the game did wore on, wear on, who does make the best adjustments after halftime? That is the New England Patriots. So, after halftime, Tom Brady, I want to say it was late third, early fourth is when he started to get his mojo back. He started finding Julian Edelman with a high regularity. And they, they just took it to him in the second half. I mean, that's all it was. I mean, it was a closer contest in the in the first half. New York, New York came out with uh, Golden Tate had that huge 64-yard touchdown from Daniel Jones. And, I mean, Jones didn't look terrible. He was making bad choices. I mean, he threw his interceptions. But you knew that that was going to happen. I mean, this is the Patriots' lockdown defense, right? But he battled. He, he attempted to make something happen. And they did. I mean, they were making things happen. Even after that Golden Tate touchdown, I think they got a defensive fumble recovery and they took that in for a touchdown. So, you know, I wasn't sitting there suggesting that they're thinking that there was going to be an upset in the making. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. But they definitely made it interesting, especially for the betting public like me who took the spread. And, uh, you know, you had, to, you had to wear it all the way down to the wire. So, I mean... Nothing really crazy to discuss in this contest. I mean, Brady did go over 330 yards. They found the run game late with with Sony. He broke off a a 26-yard run. But, I mean, outside of that, the secondary receiving isn't quite there yet. Josh Gordon hasn't been what we would have expected from him. Julian Edelman's doing what Julian Edelman does. 
you know, he found he found room. He was nine for one thirteen. He was good. He he made plays. He made he made an unbelievable catch at the end of the game to to seal the 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 spread for all the betting public. But I mean, outside of that, what what else can you say? The Patriots continue to move on a weaker schedule. They are still undefeated. They are six and zero, first in the AFC. So I mean, they just keep rolling. The Giants, on the other hand, I am extremely intrigued with how this team will build in the second half of the season. If they can get Saquon back in this lineup at full health, maybe we can actually see what the future holds for this club. Because I don't, I don't think that Daniel Jones is terrible. I think he still has some work to do, but he's exciting. He's electric, and he, he makes some good throws. So with that, let's move on to Sunday. So we had our first early edition of games in England, in London. The Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were treating the fans across the pond to what we had thought was going to be a decent showing, um, but it actually turned out better than we had envisioned and had thought about. So, of course, we were taking the Carolina Panthers. So, I've been on record in the last shows discussing Kyle Allen, and a lot of people are are disagreeing with my opinion on on the on the man. I I don't think people are giving him a chance. He he has been nothing but efficient. Yeah, okay, in, in a lot of the contests, he hasn't been putting up the gaudy statistics to make himself look like a true number one quarterback. But he's making plays. Isn't this what you want from your quarterback? I mean, fantasy football-wise, he had a decent day. I think he hit over 17 points today. So he, he helped you out in that cause if you played him, right? But, I mean, when you talk about the game plan, look, Christian McCaffrey didn't have the best day in the in the run game. He did find the end zone twice again, surprise, surprise. But that's just what Christian McCaffrey does. But but all in all, he was basically locked down. He had 22 carries today for a 1.4 average yards per carry. I mean, that's not getting it done, right? So how did they even end up winning this game? It definitely has to go to the credit of Kyle Allen and this Panthers defense. I had said it. This defense is playing phenomenal. They have some holes. They can still get beat, as shown when Jameis Winston tried to make the comeback. But this defense was allowing that to happen at that point of the game. They were playing more prevent defense, right? But as the game was at the early stages, you could tell that this this defense was just confusing Winston. He had so many interceptions in this contest. He threw five interceptions today, and I believe he lost a fumble as well. That This is what this defense was doing. Gerald McCoy, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, now with the Carolina Panthers, he had a field day. He was unstoppable. He was in Winston's grill all day long. Nevertheless, Winston made attempts. He tried to come back. He, he made a valiant effort. His day on paper looks, outside of the interceptions, looks better than what it was. It was late in the contest where he found his yardage. Jameis Winston, to me, I mean, I think it's done. He is, he is not a sound quarterback, at least. But, see, this is already his third coach, I believe. Second or third coach. So you can't tell me in the first five years of his career he can't figure it out if he's supposed to be this elite-level passer. I'm not buying in. I've been off the Jameis Winston bandwagon for quite some time. He will put you up the yardage, but he's going to turn that ball over. I believe he is number one in the NFL in the last X amount of games. I think it had like 84 turnovers to be like the worst in the league. This isn't going to get it done. If you're Tampa Bay, I mean, you're moving on barring some magical miracle that you're going to get during the course of the season. You're moving on from Winston come this offseason when he becomes a free agent. It's clear. But with that said, 
I don't want to put all the blame on the shoulders of Winston. So his offensive line showed a lot of inadequacy in this contest. They couldn't they couldn't do anything. He was always on the run. There was always a defender in his face. And on top of that, you have no run game. So when I when I when I criticize Winston to the level saying that he can't be an effective quarterback in the league, I'll maybe even pull that back a little bit because I believe the dynamics of this offense don't support what he could possibly be. If you give him an offensive line, if you give him a sound running game, I mean, he found Godwin and he found Evans today. He spread the ball to them efficiently. So you can't hate on that. But the overall aspect of the game, maybe it's time for him to find a change of scenery. A new team would be, would be appropriate. But nevertheless... Chris Godwin, he was your fantasy dog today. 10 receptions, 151. Evans got in there today. 9 receptions, 96 yards. So these guys had days. They were good. So moving right along, let's go to the next game on the board. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. So when I first started the review on this matchup, it it felt like it wasn't it was a trap for the for the betting public, but it wasn't a trap for this contest because we all knew that Baltimore was going to win this game. And after I went back to review a lot of the tape, um, you could you could almost see that it was almost like a bye week for this coaching staff. They had no interest in throwing the ball. It wasn't anything spectacular through the air. And it's not like the Cincinnati Bengals have a defense defensive secondary that can make plays to the nth degree that would shut down Lamar Jackson, but that's what it looks like on paper. But that wasn't the case. The case was run the ball and just run it down their throat all game. Lamar Jackson, he did go over 230 in the past game, but that's not the storyline. He was an animal on the ground today. He took off to the tune of 19 carries for 152 yards and found the end zone on the ground. That was his day. This was the plan. Mark Ingram also added another 52 yards on the ground. He also found the end zone. And, I mean, this was the, this was the plan. It was well over 200 yards rushing for the Ravens today on this, on this Bengals uh, defense. You almost felt bad for them. They just couldn't. They had no answers, right? The Bengals, on the other hand, so if you read my articles – I was saying Joe Mixon as a sit. Didn't like it. Didn't like the matchup. This offensive line just can't support him. If you drafted Mixon high in fantasy football, I feel sorry for you at this point. I mean, there's nothing much else you can do. He is now a matchup running back that, not based on his talent, but based on the team that he plays for, it's impossible to trust him now. So you have to play the matchup, and this was one I wasn't I was definitely not playing. Even Tyler Boyd didn't get into the mix. Andy Dalton attempted to make plays. It just wasn't happening. The defense shorted up a little bit more. It was difficult to find any room. And I mean, they killed the spread at the end of the game. The Ravens won twenty three to seventeen. So I believe they were favored by a dozen. It wasn't a great game by any stretch. I mean, there wasn't any highlight reel plays outside of some pretty nifty running by Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, Vick-esque running. But they move on. You know, the the Ravens do. They're 4-2. They get back up to the top of the AFC North. The Bengals season is still 0-6, and, and they're just they're just struggling. So I think now they're in the conversation of the two sweepstakes for the NFL draft from Al- the, the quarterback from Alabama. I think they're in the mix. Andy Dalton won't be back. There's no way he'll be back next season. So it's a full rebuild. Zach Taylor wants his wants his team, and I mean, this is what they got to do, right? 0-6. We're starting a long, long time for the Bengals. Let's go. Moving on right along. The Seattle Seahawks and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns hosted the Seahawks in this contest, and I was – I was it's more than just even being interested. I was very curious to to see how the Browns were going to respond from their 
blowout loss to the 49ers on last Monday night. Seeing how Baker Mayfield uh, was going to come back and, and show anything positive was what I was looking for. I was very keen on seeing progression. You know, it's a short turnaround. You had to put some plays up on the board. You had to get some points on this Hawks team because you know Russell Wilson can come back at any moment. And they did. So the game started out, the Browns were, they looked good on their very first drive. They ended up scoring with Chubb first. So you you already were sitting there saying this is a, a, a much improved Browns offense right off the bat. Seattle, of course, answered. Russell Wilson doing what Russell Wilson does. But then the Browns also jumped out with two more touchdowns after that. It was 21-6, to I believe, in the second quarter. And right there was when I thought this is where Freddie Kitchens needs to keep the pedal on the metal. The defense was doing enough to get Russell Wilson out of his comfort zone. He couldn't find his receivers. He didn't have a lot of time. And the Browns didn't make it happen. They allowed Seattle to claw back, clutch and claw, getting field goals, getting touchdowns right before the half. Made this a completely different game momentum-wise. And like we said last week about Pete Carroll, he doesn't get enough credit around the league for what he does. His adjustments in that second half were phenomenal, especially on the defensive side. Baker Mayfield started getting looks he hadn't been uh, familiar with from the first half. He ended up with three interceptions again. And at this point, I think we have to look at that and say that this is starting to become a problem. Is it, okay, even before that, I understand that the passes, a couple of those passes were tipped by his receivers, by the defenders that were intercepted. But you have to understand, go back and see those plays. It was extremely contested coverage. They were locking down the receivers to the point that they made these interceptions happen. They were very difficult passes to complete. So I almost want to question... It's not necessarily the accuracy that I'm looking for. It was almost to the point that his decision-making just isn't there. It's almost like he's second-guessing himself. Because coming out of college, I believe his his completion percentage was well over 70%. And, and he's just not having it in the NFL right now. He's throwing interceptions. He's losing these contests for, these, for this Browns team. It's clear. Nick Chubb again. This offense needs to ride through Nick Chubb. He, again, was just all, all over the field. He was a monster. He went 20 for 122 and found a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns today on the ground. It was nice to see Odell Beckham get back in the mix, but he even had some drop passes. So, I mean, you got to even think that it's not just Baker himself. I mean, that offensive line is struggling. It, it's almost to the tune that, this team is just not well put together, or the chemistry just isn't there, but it's it's just not working. The play calling was a lot better on the Brown side. Kitchens did a lot better. I, I did like a lot of what I saw. But the Hawks, man, the Hawks come back and do what they do again. Russell Wilson accounted for three more touchdowns today. He's starting to get into the MVP category, and rightfully so. You can't argue what this man can do on the field. This team was never out of it. And the Hawks just came back late, scored the touchdown, and they never looked back. So I believe the third interception for Baker Mayfield came on their last drive to try to tie the or to try to win this contest. They were they were down. But in the end, Seattle showed what they are. Their defense is, I don't even want to say it's a bend but don't break because they broke today. They allowed some big plays. I think there's some retooling that needs to happen to some degree. But there's, like I said, their second half adjustments were perfect. So 
in the second half, I could say they were bend but don't break for sure. Seahawks, man. That division with the 49ers is going to be a show. LA Rams may not be in it for much longer. We'll see what happens there. We'll get it to it when we get to their contest. But good game. It was a solid game. It was one I was very keen on watching. And it was it didn't disappoint. It was exciting all the way to the end. A lot of good things happened. A lot of things that I want to see cleaned up from both sides. But it was a good contest for sure. Another contest, the next one up on the board, the New Orleans Saints traveling to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So ever since Drew Brees has been out, Teddy Bridgewater has made strides in his progression to at least keep this ship moving. And it's been moving in the right direction. This could have gone many different ways, many different avenues where the Saints could actually have imploded. So Teddy comes off a four-touchdown performance, and I truly believed that this was a sign of things to come. Maybe not necessarily four touchdowns every single week, but at least you know one, two, the possible three here and there. He was locked down today. He couldn't find much room. So the Jaguars themselves lifted their game without Jalen Ramsey. So that was the X factor for me. I thought if Ramsey was going to play, this game could have literally gone either way. Because with Ramsey on the field, that Jacksonville defense does different things to disguise their schemes. Without Ramsey, they're a little bit more exposed. You can kind of figure them out a little bit quicker and find the mismatches on the field. But they played admirably today. Teddy Bridgewater had issues. And it wasn't just Teddy Bridgewater. So we we knew from the injury report that Alvin Kamara was dealing with an ankle. He almost didn't suit up. He, suited, he got clearance to suit up late. But you could tell he was hobbled. He wasn't 100%. The run game just wasn't there. He carried 11 times for 31 yards. It just wasn't there. They tried to attempt him in the pass game. He did catch seven balls, but again, it wasn't for much yardage, right? Michael Thomas, he battled. He battled. He was the he was the main target again. But Teddy found Jared Cook in the end zone for the only touchdown in this contest. It was a nice throw. It was a great play. But the story is the New Orleans Saints defense. Third week in a row. Their defensive back, Marcus Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore, excuse me, he went off. He was locking down DJ Chark. He was locking down every receiver that was on him. He is back. The start of the season looked a little weary. He was not being that island that we know he can be. Now he is. And this is the difference. It allows Sean Payton and his defensive coordinators to mix up the schemes, mix up the plans, and just take it to them. Gardner, Gardner Minshew looked like a rookie today. He, it, was, it was undeniable. Leonard Fournette tried to get stuff going on the ground. It was tough sledding for him to find any room. And Gardner Minshew just, he... Welcome to the NFL. This is what happens when you play high-caliber defenses like the Saints. Couldn't muster much of anything. It was a highly defensive game. Teddy found the touchdown late. And, I mean, fantasy football-wise, not much to speak of on the, on the Jag side. Fournette could have saved his day. Had he found the end zone, that didn't happen. He went for 72 yards only. He got in the mix in the pass game to save you if you're in PPR. He got six catches. For the Saints, I mean, Michael Thomas didn't find the end zone either. He went eight for 89. It was okay. Nothing special. Not what we normally expect. But Teddy's winning you the games. The Saints are 5-1, first in the NFC South, and they're moving. This is what you wanted. He's not going to be that explosive quarterback week in, week out. 
but he's able to game manage you victories. And the goal was when Breeze went down to at least get this club to a mark of 500 before Breeze comes back to save the season. This is this is a glorious situation now that they're in. Sean Payton does it again. Saints are victorious. They keep moving. Breeze gets one week closer every week to come back. It's a good thing for the Saints. Next up on the board, let's go to the Houston Texans traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs were favored in this contest. I believe it was four and a half points by the time it closed. I took the under. I took the Texans only because I was extremely fearful of that ankle for Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't necessarily doubtful for this contest. You knew he was going to play. He got his treatment during the week. I just didn't like how he was performing last week whatsoever. Patrick Mahomes needs his mobility to help him assist in the pass game. That's his game. If that's gone, he now becomes a statue in that pocket trying to avoid pass rushers by stepping up and moving sideways, and it's just not something he's comfortable doing. He can do it. He obviously showed it in the first half, in the first quarter, first drive. But, I mean, outside of that, it was kind of sluggish after. I believe he even he even took a, another hit and kind of rolled the ankle again, and that just made matters worse. He's clearly playing injured. It's not the Patrick Mahomes that we all know, the magician. It's not him. He still does wonderful things on the field, but it's not at that high-end level. The big lift for the Chiefs, welcome back Tyreek Hill. He came back. He was a game-time decision, got clearance. And if you didn't see his first touchdown, go back and watch the highlight. He literally jumped, I think they even call it, it was like 42 inches. He elevated Michael Jordan style. And he came down with the ball, double coverage, turned around, and found his way into the end zone. Welcome back, Tyreek Hill. Outside of that, I mean, the Houston Texans, they battled. They allowed the Chiefs to take an early lead, but they battled. Deshaun Watson was starting to make plays around the second quarter, and he carried that on into the into the second half. Watson had his mistakes as well. He did throw two interceptions, one crucial one in the end zone when the game was was very close to be on the line. But the run game. So again, this is a critical problem for this Kansas City Chiefs team as well. Their, their defense cannot stop the run no matter who they play. Carlos Hyde gashed him today. 26 carries for 116. Deshaun Watson added 10 carries for 42 yards. It's a big problem that they have, the Chiefs I'm speaking of, in playing defense. It just isn't there. So... When you start talking about a Super Bowl contender that doesn't have a defense to stop the opposition, you need your offense to be scoring anywhere from 30 to 5, 30 to 35 points. And you hope that the other team can't match you. This is the formula. I mean, we saw this back in the days with the Indianapolis Colts, with Peyton Manning. Their offense was built to score points. They were a machine, but their defense always struggled. When they won the Super Bowl, they added pieces to that puzzle to help offset their problems. Kansas City showed me a lot of negative today only because that's their second loss in a row, second loss in the last seven days, both at Arrowhead Stadium. That is massive. If you don't think that's big, I don't know what else to tell you. It's a big deal. Am I fearful that they won't get it figured out? No. They're too good. They will figure it out. Andy Reid is a good coach. He'll he'll make adjustments. He'll change it up. But when it comes to the adjustments for that offense, because the defense is already what they are, 
Why aren't you running the ball, Andy Reid? Two weeks in a row, your attempts from the backfield are insane. Shady McCoy was your lead dog today. Eight rush attempts. Damian Williams, one rush attempt. Thomas, one rush attempt. Patrick Mahomes, one rush attempt. And that's on a scramble. What are you doing in this situation? I have no understanding. Your quarterback is clearly hurting. He is struggling to find his receivers down the field. The defense, the opposing defense is adjusting to what you're doing because they realize not only aren't you playing good defense, you're not even running the ball. So when we said last week that we chalked it up as an Andy Reid loss, I'm going to suggest that again this week. You can't blame Patrick Mahomes. He is trying his best. He threw three touchdowns today. That's not on him. He threw one interception, fine, but he threw three touchdowns, man. What what else do you want this guy to do? He found Tyreek Hill twice in the end zone, but the the explosion, the the explosive plays aren't really there only because the mobility is not there. So, I mean, I'm... What what else can I can I really say about this? They really need to clean it up. Andy Reid needs to go back to the drawing board, get a run game started, stick with the run, establish the play action pass. Travis Kelsey again, second week in a row, putting up pedestrian numbers compared to what he's supposed to do. This offense looks normal. And that's not your game. Houston, on the other hand, got to give it to Deshaun Watson. He battled hard. He wanted this win, and you could tell he wanted this win. And the interesting thing about it is, is they spread the ball after the run game. So the run game was the primary, but they started spreading the ball. DeAndre Hopkins, again, he wasn't that high-end producer that you thought he would have been in this contest with this weak secondary. He still found the uh, caught the ball nine times for 55 yards. The yardage isn't there, but, I mean, he was more of a possession guy today. And it was clear. They were trying to nickel and dime him. They were eating the clock. Good game plan by the, by the Houston Texans. They found a way to come back and win. Kansas City almost had the lead, or they had the lead, and they almost pulled it out. But, I mean, to me, it was, it was based on how they played this contest. The second quarter was all Houston. They scored 20 points in that second quarter, and that was it. Momentum was on their side. The Chiefs had had momentum, lost it in the fourth, and Houston took the game. So got to clean it up in Kansas City. Two-game losing streak, not ideal. It's good that your division isn't necessarily as strong as it was a season ago. The Chargers are struggling. The Broncos are what they are. And perhaps Oakland could be your biggest problem. It will be interesting in that NFC uh, West. Definitely interesting. So one of the games that we were not necessarily invested in outside of fantasy football, the battle of the winless, the Washington Redskins and the Miami Dolphins. So this matchup, you know, there wasn't a lot of interest here, not a lot of intrigue at all. It was more for the fantasy perspective. I, on my Start Sit article on All Day Football, if you didn't check it out, you missed it. We hit on some big ones this week. But we had Terry McLaurin on our board, must start. Adrian Peterson, must start. And they performed today. They were good. Case Keenum, you know, he did enough. He did what he had to do. Peterson was over 100 yards which is what we totally expected, 5.1 yards per carry, solid day, can't hate it. Terry McLaurin, the rookie wide receiver that so many scouts overlooked based on college production, he is terrorizing opposing defensive backs. His speed, his route running, and his hands, this kid... His release off the line is something even special. He is the full package 
at wide receiver, and he was overlooked just because of college production. Shame on you, scouting departments. You missed on a great one. As for the Miami Dolphins, this is tank mode at its best. Josh Rosen looked awful. Doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback. Couldn't even go over 100 yards, two picks. What else can you do? They brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick to do anything. Make it look like they're at least trying. The Skins almost gave this contest up late. They allowed them to score 13 points in the fourth. Game ended 17-16 due to a failed two-point conversion by the Dolphins. It wasn't great, but it was what we expected. Two winless teams duking it out. Anyway, let's move on. Nothing left to see there. Next one on the board, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. So this one was discussed to a great deal with some of my colleagues as opinions varied greatly on who would come out victorious. So as you know, I at the beginning of the season, I was a Minnesota Vikings supporter simply because I was all in on, on Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Dalvin Cook. I really thought that the addition of Gary Kubiak to this offense was going to bring a new dynamic to help Kirk Cousins. You've heard this in the past if you've been listening to the shows. So this was a game that I really I really believed would put the Vikings to the test. They they appear to be a much better team at home, which is what they were today as well. And again, if you went back and you read our start sit list for this week for week 6 on All Day Football, we were preaching the play of Stefan Diggs with the utmost enthusiasm. This was going to be his day. Stefan Diggs' game is going deep. He can beat people deep. And the Eagles have grave issues in their secondary. Not only that, not only did the Vikings start out as fast as any team that I had seen this season in any contest, they had 21 or 24 points to the Eagles' three to start this game. And Stefan Diggs had two of them. Monster shots. One was 62 yards, one was 51. And then Adam Thielen got in the mix on the first one, on a quick one, close to the end zone. Diggs was a player. This was inevitable. He's been crying about not getting the ball, and rightfully so. The offense has been sputtering like crazy. But this was the perfect game to unleash him. So when you go back and you look at how this contest was playing out, I couldn't understand. So the first Diggs touchdown, yes, you can have a defensive lapse and a coverage problem, a mistake. But when it comes the second time, and there were more plays where they were getting beat deep, it was the Jim Schwartz problem. It was his issue. They were so terrified that Dalvin Cook was going to beat them in the run game that they kept bringing their safeties up, and that was what happened on both those digs touchdowns. It was, it was, and you go back and you see it was there. They had basically one high safety who was pinching to other side of the field, or he was even pinching low, and Diggs was just cooking whoever he had. I believe he beat Douglas once, and I believe he beat Sidney Jones once. So. I mean, the plan was there for the for the Vikings to highlight Diggs. He got in the end zone three times, had a monster day today. If you played him in fantasy, you're smiling ear to ear. He was seven catches, 167, three touchdowns. Monster day. Monster day. Let's go to the man who threw him the ball, Kirk Cousins. This was perhaps the best day of this season for him in all aspects of the game. This is what I fully expected from Kirk Cousins this season, majority of the time with high consistency. His day-to-day, let me break it down for you. It was 22 of 29, 333 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. And on that one interception, it wasn't even his fault. The ball ricocheted off uh, Stephon Diggs' hands and went into the Eagles' secondary for the interception. 
So that you can't even blame him for that interception. Cousins played extremely well. So here's the thing. Dalvin Cook, they were so worried about Dalvin Cook burning them on the ground. They did shut him down today. He was only 16 for 41. He found a touchdown late. But you have a front seven in Philadelphia that can that can shut down a run game, even the best in the business, without having to pinch up your safeties. And when they continued to get burned, there was no adjustment from Schwartz. I couldn't understand what I was watching. Anyway, for the Eagles side of things, they battled. You had to give it to them. They made this a contest. They were down. They ended up scoring two quick touchdowns after the Diggs' second big deep shot. Miles Sanders finally comes to play. The breakout game for Miles Sanders. I was hoping that this could have been an occurrence on a weekly basis earlier, but now you're seeing what Miles Sanders can do in the pass game. He is a poor man's, I don't want to say Alvin Kamara, but he's on that level, a poor man's Alvin Kamara. He can make plays in the pass game. He's a definite mismatch on linebackers, on safeties. They need to use him a lot more, and they did today. Carson Wentz was looking somewhat sharp after the early stages. They had to throw the ball more. I mean, they they basically had to abandon the run to try to get back in this game. Alshon Jeffrey looked really good today. But he couldn't find Zach Ertz. That was probably the problem that killed the the entire momentum. He only caught the ball four times, Zach Ertz, today. He has been kind of an afterthought in this offense. So, again, so the Eagles, a team you think are, are going to make the move to the next level, again, come back two, one step forward, two steps back, and just don't look right. The run game wasn't there again. You have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and you can't force the run. So I'm a little confused with the Eagles. They fall now to 3-3. Three and three, Make that division even tighter in the NFC East. The Vikings now, they move up, and this is what I was hoping for. They're looking good. Efficiency is key. It's key. So we'll see how it goes. Next couple weeks for Minnesota, but they get the win. It was a good contest. I really enjoyed that one. Moving on, the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals. So, like we've been saying, we're we're off the wagon for the card or for the Falcons. I just I can't do it anymore. I'm trying to have some level of optimism for this squad, and it just isn't there anymore. You look back and you're going to say, oh, Matt Ryan had a beautiful day and they just lost. It wasn't the case. Matt Ryan was, he was sluggish. And, and it's against a defense that isn't necessarily, that they shouldn't be challenging you enough with how much firepower you have on this offense. Julio Jones, again, not, not so much until later in the game. Austin Hooper was your guy, but I mean, that's because the Cardinals can't defend the, the tight end position whatsoever. Fantasy football-wise, Matt Ryan has 356 and four touchdowns. Makes him look like a superstar. Didn't look that way early on. The Cardinals were there. So going to the Cardinals side, my man Kyler Murray. Going to be the offensive rookie of the year. This kid came to play today. This is what I've been saying about this man. This is what he can do. He's starting to learn. He His throws were much better today the play calling from uh, Kingsbury the head coach much better today but Kyler Murray he did it on his on it with his feet he did it through the air 27 of 37 340 and three touchdowns he was good today I was impressed and it only took six weeks for him to figure it out if this is the standard Cardinals fans you should be smiling because this will be your future. Kyler Murray is a player. You get him a little bit better of an offensive line and you will see him progress, him improve. Good day for Kyler Murray. Cardinals, they were up early and often, and then they allowed the Falcons to clutch and claw back. It became interesting. 
Matt Ryan found his way down late in the contest. He hit Devontae Freeman for the tie with the point after coming. And old reliable Matt Bryant shanks it. Misses to the left. Unbelievable. I believe it was the left. I'd have to go back and see. They lose by one point because of a kicker. It wasn't it was exciting of a game only because the points that were being scored, the plays that were being made. But I mean both these clubs have grave problems that they need to fix and I mean I'm more lenient on the Cardinals because they're just beginning their their process of building. The Falcons on the other hand, this is a disaster in in mammoth proportions. You are done. Your 2019 season is over. You cannot beat a team like the Cardinals with the offense you have. I get it. Your defense has holes. They can't stop anybody. But the fact that you can't beat a team like the Cardinals who haven't done much with other teams either. Yeah, not not a fan. I'm, I'm off the Cardinals. It's unfortunate, but we'll see how they go. It might be only fantasy-wise discussions for the Falcons moving forward, but Cardinals on the rise. I like it. Kyler Murray is my guy. So moving right along, the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams. So this was another one of those matchups that you wanted to see because you had a lot of question marks. So well, at least I did. And I know some of my colleagues did as well. We, we had some discussions on, on both these teams. So the L.A. Rams, let's start there. And again, like I said before, the Rams don't look themselves. They look broken. Something just isn't right. The offense isn't moving in the right direction. Wade Phillips has has seen better days in coaching this defense. And then when you talk about the San Francisco 49ers, I I wanted to see them play an elite level team to confirm their undefeated status that they were that they should belong there. I called them a paper undefeated team and I said I would come on the show and eat my words. Well, and that was after the Monday night destruction of the Cleveland Browns well I'm eating humble pie I'm eating crow big time today because not only did they beat the Cleveland Browns decisively last Monday night they walked into LA and they laid the hammer to the Rams laid them out TKO nothing more to see here this defense this defense for the 49ers is an up-and-coming squad, man. If if you don't know this defensive line, this is a defensive line that will challenge for the best in the business, best in the league. No question, hands down. The addition of their rookie, Bosa, he is making things happen. Even when he's not getting on the stat sheet, he's making things happen. You got Ford, D. Ford coming from Kansas City in that trade. He was awesome today. And one guy that doesn't seem to get a lot of love in the media circles and the media channels is Quan Alexander, the signee from Tampa Bay, the linebacker. He has changed this front seven to allow the defensive backs to play tighter coverage without the fear that they're going to get gashed in the run game. This defense, I really am starting to like this defense a lot. One of my colleagues had already suggested that they're an elite unit. I said pump the brakes, but when you're watching what they're doing, especially against what should be still a high-powered, high-octane unit of the L.A. Rams, they just couldn't get it done today. Jared Goff, one of his worst performances as a pro, 13 for 24 78 passing yards. 78 yards. So when we're talking about elite-level defenses, I mean, it's getting very difficult to argue that the San Francisco 49ers aren't trending in that direction. They lock down everything. 
the run game was done outside of that one drive where I believe the Rams basically got all their rushing yardage on. They couldn't muster nothing else after that. The Niners, on the other hand, Tevin Tevin Coleman, my guy, showing why Kyle Shanahan wanted him in San Francisco. He was the leading ball carrier. He, He did okay. I mean, that Rams defense is stout as well. That defensive line is stout. They made it tough. But, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a touchdown pass today, but he was fine. He looked okay. He He's winning games. He's doing what you want him to do. As the season starts to move forward, you're going to want to request more from Garoppolo, and you're going to want to see it more. But it's coming. It's It's moving in the right direction. This is a massive win for the 49ers. And don't get me wrong, I believe this is the third loss in a row for the L.A. Rams. It's time to start ringing alarm bells. Super Bowl hangover is real. Not the best contest overall to watch, but it was it was entertaining when you saw some of the battles, the positional battles, the defensive battles. That part of it was very good. Anyway... 49ers undefeated, New England Patriots undefeated. Only two teams left without a still with a without a loss. Good looking stuff. I like it. So the next contest, the Denver Broncos and the Tennessee Titans. So not much really to discuss in this contest. It basically was what we thought it was gonna be. Straight up defensive showing, limited offensive output. I mean, Joe Flacco. And the, the Broncos run game, nothing nothing too exciting. You know, Phillip Lindsay was your guy. He found the end zone. He was he was your mainstay. They mixed it up with a little bit of Royce Freeman. Emmanuel Sanders was lost in this contest as well. I believe he he hurt a knee. No no word on him as of yet. As for the Titans, I mean their defense is strong as well. So we we figured we knew that this was gonna happen. But the interesting aspect of this contest that I want to discuss the most, the benching, finally, of Marcus Mariota. We have been saying this for weeks before the season began. It is done. It's over. Move on. Let Mariota go to another club to see if he can rejuvenate his career because of change of scenery. Outside of that, I have nothing positive to say about Marcus Mariota anymore. Either his confidence is completely shot, he has no interest in playing in the NFL, or he just isn't that good anymore. The, the, the sun may have shined on his brief career, but it doesn't look good anymore. Ryan Tannehill came in, and he looked okay. I mean, what else can you expect for a quarterback coming cold off the bench without, without practice reps? Tannehill was 13 of 16 for 144. He did throw a pick late. Okay, no big deal. I want to see Ryan Tannehill on this offense with this receiving core to see what he can do. I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is the next coming great quarterback. We know what Ryan Tannehill is. We saw it in Miami for years. But Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. He's a 4,000-yard passer in this league. Marcus Mariota has never been there. He's never even touched that. Let's see what Ryan Tannehill can do with this receiving core, this running game. I still, I just, I want it. I, I, that's one of my fails on my start sit this week was uh, suggesting Derek Henry was going to have a day on this poor uh, Broncos run defense. But I don't know. There's something there too. I, I'm, I, I'm not a huge fan of Derek Henry personally. I think they need a different type of back for this offense. If they had more of a, a quick change of pace back that could actually be the lead dog and make Henry the change of pace back, I think that would help more. But nevertheless, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. I want to see Ryan Tannehill in this offense. I want to see what he can do. I think there would be good things happening. But to be determined, we'll see what happens. So yet another contest that shouldn't have been a contest in Week 6, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets. So Vegas baited me into seven and a half point 
favorites for the Dallas Cowboys, and I took it. Still don't think it's a bad bet. I would have took it again. And here's why. I truly believed, and and maybe that's my ignorance, because I truly believe that Sam Darnold coming off the mono, coming off all that lost time, he was going to show signs of rust. Sam Darnold looked like he's been playing all season. He's just ready to hit his peak. Sam Darnold looked good. He hit his receivers. He hit Robbie Anderson deep, massive deep shot, 92-yard touchdown score. I mean, he was throwing the ball. He found Crowder. He found Thomas. He found Griffin. Even when Le'Veon Bell was not really doing much in the run game, at least he Sam Darnold was finding his receivers. Darnold looked good today. He looked polished. I was impressed. You know, the Jets, however, you know, they still don't have C.J. Mosley. Adams, their safety, came out to play today. He kept this defense strong. But it is the Dallas Cowboys, and they made their attempts to come back in this contest. They made it very close. But again, we're sitting here saying, how is it that the New York Jets could find a way to challenge and beat the Dallas Cowboys? This defense is not as advertised. We were fooled. It's clear. They're not as good. They're taking massive steps back. So either it's complacency or the scheme. Something just isn't being done correctly. And I mean, it was clear. The Jets shouldn't have been able to compete. Zeke Elliott was good. Dak Prescott was not. So here's the other thing. Just because Dak couldn't necessarily do what he wanted to do. There's a reason for that. There are injuries on their offensive line. So if you don't realize the game of football starts with the offense and defensive lines, it's just watch this game and watch how the Cowboys played. Okay? They could not protect Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was under pressure the entire contest. Granted, he only got sacked once but he was under duress the entire contest. And the Jets, whenever they had the ball, they just took advantage of the, of the Cowboys' weak defense. This is the storyline. Sam Darnold did allow the Cowboys to come back in this one, throwing a pick, a bad pick, got the momentum back for the Cowboys. But another aspect, I mean, I didn't see it early, but when I switched back to this contest, Amari Cooper was hurt. He was lost in this game. So that also changes the dynamic of how this team is going to play. You don't have your offensive lineman. You don't have uh, Amari Cooper. Now you're changing on the fly. But even that, even with that, Dallas was to be, uh, could we say a Super Bowl contender? I could at the beginning of the season. I thought they had the enough that they could challenge at least to, to make it there. But this team doesn't look it, especially with this loss. They drop down to 3-3, three and three, tied with the Eagles. Next week, they face the Eagles. That's going to be a monster contest between two teams who don't look as polished as we would have hoped at this point of the season. So, Dallas, Dallas fans, I feel for you. It was nauseating at times. The Jets fans, welcome back Sam Darnold from his medical problems. And maybe you guys have a squad now. Robbie Anderson, he was he was basically shut down outside of that 92-yard bomb. But, man, does he got wheels. If you saw that play, he, there was nobody that was going to catch him. There was no safety deep, and he just outran the DBs. It was unreal. Good one. Interesting one. Big upset. So to finish it off for Sunday, the Sunday night contest between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the L.A. Chargers in Los Angeles. So a lot of the individuals we spoke to on this one, they were all taking the Chargers. Of course they were. It was a third-string quarterback coming into play for Pittsburgh, right? Right? What could go wrong? So I'll tell you what went wrong. The mistakes by the Chargers. This has been... What has killed this club this season? 
So typically the Chargers have started slow, even with the squad that they have and have had. I mean, you got players on this team, and you look like you're rebuilding. So now what does that tell me? What does that tell you? Phillip Rivers needs to go. It's time. I mean, yeah, okay, you have Tyrod Taylor on your bench. I'm not suggesting going to Tyrod Taylor to be the answer, but Phillip Rivers is washed. It's done. He may have a few more contests left in him where he's going to give you what you need. He's just not the guy anymore. And on top of it, I want to voice some frustration about Melvin Gordon. So he holds out because he wants a better contract. And you know how the NFL is, is moving towards not paying your running backs. You have hurt your club. You've done nothing to help your club since you've been back. Granted, you missed all preseason. I'll give you that. You missed all the reps. You don't have the chemistry. I'll give you that. But you're on a contract season. You're trying to prove that some team should pay you big dollars. And you look invisible. Invisible. In this contest, you know, you have to say it. Pittsburgh jumped out early. They got some defensive help. Defensive touchdowns. James Conner looked fantastic today. He found the end zone twice. He looked great. They jumped out super early. So to that degree, I mean, it was 21-0 going into halftime. So obviously the Chargers were going to have to adjust and, and move away from the run game because they had to get points on the board. But, I mean, even when the second half came, much of the same. Chargers still shut out. The Steelers got three more points on the board, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter where the Steelers were playing more prevent defense that the Chargers started to find points. Hunter Henry, welcome back. He looked like he was never even gone or injured. Well done, Hunter Henry. He, you were one of my top tight ends back on the ADF playbook, our draft guide. And it was good to see you perform today. He had a good day. Eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. First game back, looking good. Keenan Allen is an afterthought in this offense again. Two weeks in a row. Don't know what the deal is. So... The Chargers got a lot of stuff to clean up as well, especially you're lucky that the Chiefs are stumbling. It still gives you opportunity to stay involved. But, I mean, if you don't clean it up in the next couple of weeks, your season could be lost and you'll be too high to select a quarterback that could help this team next season. So, I don't know, that's my opinion on the matter. James Conner looked good. This uh, uh, third-string quarterback, Hodges, he didn't have to do much. He wasn't asked to do much. It was basically dump-offs to the running backs and then just don't make a mistake. And the defense helped you. So Pittsburgh isn't necessarily back in the good books for potential playoff spots in that division, but they they making it in more interesting now, making it more interesting. Outside of that, the contest wasn't wasn't overly exciting, but it is what it is. So – Moving to the Monday night contest between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. This one I'm very curious about because Matt LaFleur used Aaron Jones to perfection last week. And I'm very, very interested to see if he's going to continue that 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 scheme. As for the Lions, they're coming off the bye week. I'm really expecting a lot. I mean, it is at Lambeau, so it's going to be a difficult test for them. They're on the road. No Devontae Adams. That's another huge loss again for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have to be on point. He's going to have to find his other targets. So without Adams, that makes me feel like they're going to run the ball a lot more. The defense a week ago was just gashed by the Cowboys. Amari Cooper went for 200 yards. So I'm, excuse me, I'm fully expecting Kenny Galladay to have a day. I really want to see it. Marvin Jones might have a big day as well. Establishing the run is going to be very important for the Lions uh, with on Johnson. If they can't get the run game going, then I think the Packers will take this one. But at this point, I believe on our spread pick em list on all-day football, we have it's minus five. I believe we took the under. We took uh, Detroit. So 
it's not inconceivable. Coming off the bye, Detroit should have their game plan going. It should be a very good contest. We don't get many of them on Monday night anymore, but this one should be a good one. I'm actually really excited for this matchup. It's really going to tell me a lot about the Lions. I really believe that this Lions defense is underrated. I think that they have a lot of skill. So it's going to be a good one. I'm very excited to see it. So anyway, that's week six, people. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. You can find me at on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. We are on iTunes and Spotify. So once again, until next week, week seven breakdown, we appreciate you. Thanks again for listening. Always check us out on All Day Football. And on that note, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.